Welcome to the Energy Fellows podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Enabling best-in-class customer experience and operational excellence in a hyper-connected oil and gas world, TCS prioritizes problem-solving and leverages customer insights to drive real business results. To find out more, go to TCS.com. That's TCS.com. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. Today is a wonderful day. Uh, It's uh, something that I reflect on going back to the days of Urban Cowboy back in uh, 1980. I remember being in Red River, New Mexico and seeing someone that I'm getting ready to introduce on the big screen. And through the years, this uh, gentleman has been in so many films, both on the big screen and TV. It's amazing the career this individual has had from Urban Cowboy all the way now to Yellowstone, Tulsa, the Tulsa King, talking about all the different films through the years on TV especially, but Northern Exposure were nominated for two Emmys. I could go on and on because it'd be the whole episode be talking about just listing the names of the films, over 225 films and productions this gentleman has. Welcome, Barry Corbin. Barry, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere, really. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Just to get in this new technical world, we've sure advanced since 1980s to now. Well, we sure have, yeah. We shot that movie in 79, and they were still using razor blades and scotch tape to edit (laughs) film. Wow, it's amazing. First time I saw him edit them on on the computer was in Lonesome Dove. I went by I was doing the movie Lonesome Dove, and I walked past a room in the motel, and the editor was in there on the computer. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm editing. I said, oh, let me see. So I went in and watched him a little bit. And that's a lot more efficient than cutting and pasting, you know. (laughs) It sure is. No question about it. It also gives an actor a disadvantage because I asked Patrick Wayne one time, if his dad, John Wayne, had given him any advice on film acting, and he said only once, he said, always pause in the middle of a sentence. Never pause at the end of a sentence because then they can't get the scissors in. <laughs> what a great statement from Patrick Wayne. My goodness, that goes back a few years, and John and all, my goodness, that's Unbelievable. You mentioned Lonesome Dove and all these different films. I mean, if you know, go to imbd.com and look up Barry Corbin. You'll be uh, reading for quite a while because it's taken us 40-some years. It's unbelievable the impact you've had. You know, your journey. La Mesa, Texas, from what I read, born, I guess, raised in that area. And I believe you had some ranch and things like that. Can you start off? Love to hear about, before we get into the films that you've worked on, I would like to hear really about this journey of life you've had, because you've had quite an experience going back to the La Mesa, La Mesa, Texas, to Texas Tech, uh, Marines, and all these kind of things. So please, if you will, I'd love to hear from you. Well, actually, I didn't make my first movie until I was nearly 40. Did Urban Cowboy, I turned 39 that year. My goodness. So I'd been doing stage work up until that time. I'd been in New York for about 15 years before that. 
Wasn't that Shakespearean? You did some Shakespearean. Uh, oh, I did uh, some Shakespeare. Yeah, I did some Shakespeare, some Shaw. I did a lot of different stuff. Wow. A lot of Neil Simon, mm-hmm. few musicals. Right. So you sing? Not in the traditional sense, but I can tell a story with a song. Wonderful, wonderful. So you came from La Mesa, Texas. I guess you went to Texas Tech, along yeah. the way, Marines. So your interest became, I guess, in college and school was drama. When did you well, know you was, wanted to be that? Uh, but I knew when I was going to the B Westerns when I was about seven years old that that's what I wanted to do. My goodness. I just never grew up. <laughs> I understand. I'm still playing. How still wonderful. playing cowboys and Indians. Well, you're still doing great on that screen. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. And your voice is so recognizable immediately. And your acting is wonderful. Very big fans in our family and a lot of my friends as well. And you're very popular in our state of Oklahoma for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. I love Oklahoma. Well, and we like our neighbors to the south where you are in Texas too. (laughs) So we get along quite well. Now, your dad, mom, were you from a ranching community or ranching background? My grandfather, my goes back to the Civil War. My great grandfather was born during the Civil War. Gotcha. He was a baby when my great great grandfather came home from the war. And at that time he'd never seen a white man. Hmm. He'd seen white women, but he'd never seen a white man. And so he was scared of his dad, you know. Mm-hmm. Because he was a, a strange creature. He'd seen black men, but he hadn't seen any white men. So he didn't know what his dad was. Mm-hmm. After the war, they got uh, taxed out of the plantation. So my great-grandfather t- was trying to make a go of it, trying to keep it going. He had to call all the, all the field hands and people together and say, well, you're on your own now because I've got to move to Texas. And he took a man and his wife and child as employees, and everybody else that worked on the plantation had to either sign on there or move somewhere else. Most of them moved on somewhere else. So they moved to Texas, and they took up residence in Lampasas County, and they rounded up some cattle and uh, started a cattle ranch down there. That's not good country for cattle because it's too rocky. It's good country for sheep and goats. Mm -hmm. But they managed to get by for a generation. But my great-granddad always had an idea of growing cotton, cotton farming. Right. So he moved up to La Mesa, Texas. And at that time, they'd had a lot of rain, and it looked beautiful. But then the uh, Dust Bowl hit, and they... Had to, and my great granddad died, and my granddad took over. Mm-hmm. He was a cotton farmer mainly, but he did keep a few cattle and some and some pigs and some horses around. He liked livestock, mm-hmm. right? So I grew up sort of in the cowboy tradition, but he was mainly a cotton farmer. My dad, of course, was a lawyer, right? Did you find the love of uh, wanting to go into ranching like you've done from that? background because you're known also to have had interest in a ranch, I believe, or ranches. Well, I had a small operation here in Fort Worth. My daughter had a son. He's now one of the disciples in The Chosen in that television series. Mm-hmm. Right. He, did, he was in 1883, but he had some health problems when he was born. Mm-hmm. 
and my daughter had been adopted. I didn't know she existed until she was 26. Mm-hmm. She had a son who had health problems, and she wanted to find out if they were genetic. So she searched out her mother, and her mother told her who I was. And she called my agent. My agent called me, and then I got in touch with her, and we've been close ever since. She lives right across the street from me now. How wonderful. She came along at a good time in my life, I think. I was doing Northern Exposure at the time, so yes. she kind of knew who I was. That was an unbelievable series you were on, Northern Exposure as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Got Emmy nominations for your acting? and Got two Emmy nominations. Last time, I was the only nominee from the show. I was having some problems with the producers, and they said I couldn't go to the awards. <laughs> And I said, well, that's going to look kind of funny in press, isn't it? He said, what do you mean? I said, it means I've got a publicist, too. (laughs) He said, oh, well, I guess you can go, but we can't afford to get you a hotel or a limousine or anything. It's not in our budget. I said, well, that's all right. I'll take cheapest transport I can find. (laughs) And uh, made arrangements with a friend of mine who was a wrangler to get me a couple of horses and (laughs) My daughter and I came in horseback. Love it. That's wonderful. Yeah, I got the Texas spirit to go along with that. And to go oh, yeah. And do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. So going back to Urban Cowboy, that was your first entry into the big screen? That's actually my first film. First film. I've done a few television shows before that, but this is my first studio film. And was that through, I guess... Did they find you, or did you try to get the part? Well, how'd that work? Well, I'd moved out to California, and I'd been out there for about a year, nearly two years. I'd been making my living as a writer. I'd uh, wrote some plays and got people interested in me over in Universal as a writer. Mm-hmm. So I had to find an agent, and I found an agent called Writers and Artists. Right. I was doing a play that I'd written at the L.A. Actors Theater, and the agent uh, came out to watch it, see if they wanted to take me on as a writer. And the head acting agent said, I don't care if we take him on as a writer or not, but I want him as an actor. Wow. And that's how I became an actor out in California. Before that, I was just a sit-there typewriter all the time. You still write? Yeah, little, little. I'm working on a book right now. Well, you ought to have quite a bit of write about, <laughs> quite a bit of write about, because you've got a lot of friends through the years. Uh, my goodness. Oh yeah, I got a few stories. I imagine you do. Each film, if you take two hundred twenty plus films, you've got a story for each one. You know, there's one film I was consulting producer on, but it was uh, Shannon Keenan and Charles Miller, and because of oh, you, yeah. Yeah. you're acting Trail, Trail End. End, and that was two thousand seven. And I looked it up the other day. It'd be the uh, let's see, it's called the World. Houston International Film Festival. It was a winner of the short film. And I had gone down to Houston about 10 years later, about 2017. I walk in the lobby of a hotel and they have this film festival going on. And I wasn't part of that. I was there for another reason. But I went up to the desk and I said, we had a film here years ago. And I don't know if you heard of it. And I said, it was trillion. It said, oh yeah, Barry Corbin's film. 10 years later, they're still talking about it because it really made made an (laughs) impact on their lives. Yeah, it was great. That's good. Yeah. Shannon is doing well, I think. She's her little boy now is in, uh, I think he's about in high school now. My goodness. So she's doing well. Wonderful. And Charles Miller is one that introduced me to the project. He was a producer with her. And 
So I think he's doing well also. So that's great. These producers are still moving forward, but I enjoyed being part of that. And then I want to mention a film you were recently part of that really touches my heart. I call it a docu-film. It's a documentary, but definitely had the acting part of it as well that you were a narrator for. And you did an outstanding job. I'm hearing great results. It was on the local OETA channel, which is Oklahoma Statewide, PBS. And then PBS has got it on PBS.org so that anyone that wants to see it, it's called Sherwood Forest Top Secret. And you're a narrator, and unbelievable, we got to see you. How do I get that? How can I get that on my television? Be pbs.org, and then go under Sherwood Forest, Top Secret. It's ready to go. It's available. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm going to You're supposed to get a DVD, by the way. We've got orders. Talk to the History Center today, and we're supposed to get some uh, DVDs underway, too, for- Okay. Well, I saw it Especially the cast and crew. I've got to tell your audience that they need to see that because it's a piece of history that nobody knows about. I, I know people in that, the yeah. oil business who never heard of this deal. Well, you know, it's 80 years this year. It was 43, yeah. so 83 years ago. And I'm glad you took an interest in this because, you know, anytime you always get a chance to, as a narrator, to read it and see if you want to go through this. But it was such a unique story and about these roughnecks of Sherwood yeah. Forest. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma roughnecks went in there and lived in a monastery. Yes. Now, if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. <laughs> I think it's a good way to go, for sure. <laughs> Man, you're good at words, I'm telling you. You know how to say it, because it's. I'd have to explain it for another 30 minutes, and you hear you'd give a one-liner, and you're hooked. <laughs> I can tell you, yeah. folks, I can tell you were a writer, for sure. You got me hooked already. I want to go see it again. But no, we're supposed to get... Those that are the cast, you know, at least part of the cast and crew will get DVDs. A lot of it now, as you know, is digital. We're trying to figure out a way to make sure it goes digitally. And it seems like that's the I way to go. I have a hard time with that because I can't figure out this thing here, this, this deal. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. I don't know what any of that stuff means. Well, we both have assistants. There's a reason for that. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> so we're both on the same page. And that's why I joke, I, I served as an executive producer of the Sherwood Force film. But the main producer, of course, was Gray Fredrickson. I mean, the producer, Gray, uh, Academy Award winner with Godfather Two, and, and he thought so highly Wonderful hard man. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He I met him briefly. We walked down the hall together, and we talked for about less than 10 minutes, and I felt like we'd been friends forever. Well, that's the way he felt about you, because he said you did a wonderful job, and you did. I got to hear it, of course, and, and it was fantastic. I've heard from... Across the country, those that saw it on the PBS channel, they've heard from different ones that got to see the streaming. And that was from, you know, Austin to Houston to Washington, D.C., Iowa, Missouri, you know, across. It's getting a lot of great feedback. It's all been good, huh? No. Oh, all good. No complaints? You're top of the list. They'll say Barry Corbin. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you carried it quite a bit. The story carries a lot, of course, but you had to deliver it by your narration, and you did. Well, the story sure tells it. I mean, it's a story that's interesting from beginning to end. It's unbelievable where these young men left their homes in, in our states nearby, Oklahoma, Texas, and go to Britain to drill these wells of 100, 150 barrels of oil that was all producing and sure would force at the time. And, you know, a year, year and a half later, they make sure there's about 3,000 barrels or more producing and is enough to help win D-Day. And like you said, they live in a monastery and the challenges they had were unbelievable. In fact, one lost his life. That's part of the yeah, film. Talked one, about that. One of them just stayed over there. Yes. I guess uh, wound up living there for the rest of his life, I believe. But 
It's an amazing story, and I thank you for doing that as well. Who's been one of your most influential mentors along the way? I mean, you've met so many people, but are there any actors that you thought about, well, I don't like to be like that person? Or Well, I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I always admired Ben Johnson. Yes, yes. I met Ben later on, and we became close friends. As a matter of fact, I've got a picture of him in there that he signed that says, to the best actor in Hollywood outside of me. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Barry I Corbin. love that. I love that. <laughs> so That's great. I always admired him, and when I got to know him well, I realized that he is who he is. He always said, I'm not the best actor in the world, but I'm the best Ben Johnson. And he was unbelievable. I guess he was. And that's where you are, too. I think you had a good mentor, for sure, because Ben Johnson and Barry Corbin in the same breath is really pretty special. I told him one time, somebody asked me for my autograph, and they said, can I have your autograph, Mr. Johnson? And I said, I, sure, and I signed your name. <laughs> ben said, don't worry about it, I sign yours all the time. I love that. That's great. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had great appreciation for each other, and wow, what a man he was, and a great yeah, actor. And- yeah, yeah as you are as well. You know, there's those that are up and coming, those who want to be involved, maybe not in in, uh, movies even, but just a career and the future. You know, a lot of people are trying to get in the workforce these days and try to make a living and don't know what to do, but movies are part of that maybe. I don't know. But do you have any special recommendations of, you know, pursue your goals, your dreams? Because it sounded like you did all along when you said Well, I've got one thing that my grandfather told me. said, don't ever get in a hurry. Because if you get in a hurry, you'll miss something. You'll forget to check your cinch, or you'll forget to set your stirrups. Mm -hmm. You'll miss something. And he was right. You don't ever want to get in a hurry. You don't want to hold things up, but you don't ever want to get in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that you learn something every day. If you don't learn something new every day, it's a wasted day. Right. And you don't want to waste any days because we've got a finite number of them. Great words of advice. No question. Don't waste your time, but don't get in a hurry. That's fantastic. Good words of advice. As far as the habits, you have certain habits of the day, the good habits, I mean, (laughs) that you have that you could share with us. Well, I don't know how good they are. They work for me. I worked in the theater so many years, and I stay up very late at night, and I sleep late in the morning. Right. But it works well for me because, you know, after everybody's asleep, I can think and I can write and I can do things that I can't do during the day. Mm -hmm. And then I've got an understanding wife who'll let me sleep till noon if I want to. (laughs) So that's, uh, you can't hardly beat that. Got a wife that makes you coffee and feeds you and lets you sleep when you want to. Not a bad way to live a life. And you have a great wife there in Joe. So. She's wonderful. Thank you for uh, helping us on this as well. Is your future ahead? I noticed lately it's been uh, Yellowstone, Tulsa King. and I've got some projects that I'd like to do. I was telling you about that one-man show I did over at the Stockyards at at the theater over there. And I'm thinking about taking that on the road a little bit and seeing how that works out. I did it as a fundraiser for the theater in the stockyards, but from now on, I want to make some money because it costs me money to do it. Right. (laughs) You have to. That's right. The name of it is A Conversation with Barry Corbin, and that's basically what it is. I stand up there for maybe 45 minutes, 
talk about my life up to this point, do a little Shakespeare, do a little of this and that and the other thing, and then we take a little intermission, and then the audience comes back in, hopefully. Right. And they'll have a question. We'll have a question and answer as long as people want to ask questions. And then we go out in the lobby and I sign autographs and programs and whatever for as long as people want to stay. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. Well, that's wonderful. And you're going to be traveling across the country or just regionally? or I'm going to start out regionally and we're going to kind of dip our toe in it and see where it goes. You know, Hal Holbrook was a good friend of mine. He did the Mark yes. Twain thing. I remember. He said, well, you've got to be committed to it in a way. He said, you're too busy in movies now to do it. And I said, well, yeah, but I'm thinking about doing it a little later on, kind of like you do it. Right. I saw him do Mark Twain when I was in college, and he was in his 30s. Mm-hmm. He did that until he was, I want to say he was 92 or 93 when he quit doing it. He finally retired Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. He was at least 20 years older than Mark Twain was when he died. And he was still doing the Mark Twain makeup. (laughs) My goodness. My goodness. What a great actor, a great person is what I've heard for sure. Oh, wonderful, wonderful guy. He was one of my better friends. Well, of all the actors and actresses that you've worked with, are there a few that kind of stand out or those that you're closer to these days, keep in touch with, anybody that stands out? I keep in touch with uh, John Corbett mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross I'm in touch with most of the time. I try to keep up a little bit with Tommy Lee Jones. Well, there's several of them that I'm friends with. I purposely don't have anybody's phone number because I don't want (laughs) to be tempted to give somebody else their phone number because I don't want them giving them mine. Gotcha. (laughs) Understand where you're coming from, for sure. And again, future films, I guess right now you're still looking at some other scripts as well uh, for opportunities. I'm looking at a script called Dollar Hide about an old teamster who has a kind of a last hurrah. You know, his Business has been taken over by trains and trucks and all this stuff, but he's still got his teamster business. He travels by mule to mm-hmm. pull the wagon, and he gets into a scrape. He's got to, got to come out of it. And it was uh, sort of like one of those old John Wayne movies. Right. A friend of mine wrote it, the guy that wrote Conninger mm-hmm. that I did with Sam and Catherine years ago. My goodness. I can't imagine. We'll see what happens with that, but I'm ready for anything. They're trying to get me to play these old timers with dementia. You know, I don't mind doing that once in a while, but I don't want that to be my (laughs) calling card for the rest of my life. Your last films you're working on, right? (laughs) I understand. You like to be remembered by certain things. Another movie I loved was War Games. My goodness, I remember. I keep I think War Games, The Closer. I mean, all yeah. We had John Badham, the only part when he took over, it was originally being directed by Martin Brest. And when John Badham took over the direction of war games, he wanted to have somebody who was a little less military. He originally Mm -hmm. had uh, Joe Dorsey was playing the general. Right. John called me and asked me to do it. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I want you to be as country as you can be. Because mm-hmm. his dad was an Air Force general, John Badham's dad. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I believe I can do that. 
And he said, yeah, just forget about uh, military stuff and just play him like a guy who came up through the ranks and wears his uniform like overalls. Mm -hmm. I said, all right. And he said, forget about the dialogue, except the things that are important, like DEFCON, so-and-so, and get the president on the horn, that kind of thing. We've got to keep those things in. But anything else, just feel free to drop it in. So I did. So most of the stuff I said in that movie was just made up. My goodness. <laughs> just said whatever came into my mind. Great movie moments. Many you've had. No Country for Old Men, for example, and I can go on and on. And we appreciate you so much, Barry. I know my hometown of Elk City, Oklahoma. You're a big movie star out there for sure. You definitely encourage a lot of folks by your presence on the films that you've been in. Well, Everyone good. loves you out there. Out that part of the world, they love you for sure. I need all the help I can get. Well, I'm with you on that too. Where are you living, Mark? You living in Oklahoma or are you living out in California? Well, I live in Edmond, Oklahoma, right? Part of Oklahoma City, north side of Oklahoma City. I know, I know Edmond, sure. Yeah, and uh, love being here. I love Oklahoma, originally from Elk City. Yeah. I really love the state, but some of my uh, kinfolk now are, well, my wife's born, in, or born that is, in uh, East Texas, and uh, I have some children that are in uh, Dallas now, and so we've got Oklahomans and Texans represented pretty well. Yeah, so. well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Do you know Joe Carter? Yes, you're talking about the baseball, Joe Carter? No, Joe Carter, he was a reporter. He was one of the first nope, I don't ones know. to break the news of uh, of Kennedy. No, Joe just had Carter. his 90th birthday. He used to run Will Rogers Memorial in Claremore. Ah, gotcha. And that's how I know him, but he's a good guy. He was a reporter, and then he went to work for the Will Rogers Memorial. He's written books about Will Rogers and various things, so. My goodness. No, he lived down south of Oklahoma City. I was going to say, I thought he lived in Edmond, but no, he lived south of Oklahoma City. Well, we've got some great Okies and Oklahomans and Texans, for sure, in this part of the world. And Yeah. have been on different, like Ben Johnson you mentioned, and others on the screen, others like you mentioned Joe, and others that have made a great impact. And again, you made impact, like I said, I mentioned hometown, but other parts that I go to, and I mentioned Barry Corwin, and they hear your voice they know if they see you on screen they know you can name different films you've been on thank you for all these years of movie and tv history and for the last 40 plus years and it sounds like you're going to continue moving forward on several things ahead i look forward to seeing a conversation with barry corbin i think that sounds great yeah and i appreciate yeah. you being on uh, sherwood forest as a narrator that made it a huge success in that regard because this is going to go to classrooms and to students throughout our state and hopefully other parts of the United Good States. Good deal. Yeah, it needs to get out there in wide circulation because everybody in America and probably in England ought to see it. I think so, too. It challenges people to do better and to take on the, the risk of life that they did. Absolutely. And you worded it just right. Did a great job again. Really appreciate it, you. And I hope to cross paths again with you and Joe. Hopefully not in the too distant well, future. I hope so. And thank you for letting me be a part of this project. I'm very proud of it. Well, we're proud of you. And again, thank you so much. You've been listening to Barry Corbin, actor Barry Corbin. And again, thank you again for your great acting, great contributions to our society and the United States and uh, throughout the world. Barry Corbin. I'm Mark Stansbury. This is the Energy Fellows podcast. Upcoming episodes. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you.
Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. Oh,